Hello, everyone. Welcome to Raising Poets and Pirates, the podcast for Christian single mothers raising sons. My name is Natalie, and on today's episode, I have the lovely Michelle to share her story about being a single mother. She's actually a single mother to two kids, but we'll be focusing on her story with her son, Paxson. I met Michelle online through Facebook, and I was just saying to her earlier, Facebook is an interesting beast. It's a great place to build community, and I've met other single mothers of sons through Facebook, but it's also a rabbit hole and you can just drown in such a, such a system. So let's begin. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. And I really appreciate you sharing your story with um, the listeners. Oh, how are you? you? Glad to be here. Mm-hmm. Have you been? How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm, Excellent. you know, still in the throngs of um, raising a boy. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the the joys, the pains, the adventure. Before we begin, let's um do a few icebreaker questions. I always like to ask that of my guests. First question. Apart from the Bible, what is your favorite book or movie? You know, I really love musicals and so my favorite movie is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I love the singing and the dancing and and just the 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 uh, I guess desire to have husbands and wives for all the siblings. <laughs> Can you? I don't know this movie. Can you tell me a little bit about the story? Oh well, it's it's about a a, a man and who's a backwoodsman. He has six brothers, and he uh, is you know one of seven. And he meets a girl who she falls in love with him at first sight, and he just wants a wife who will work beside him and you know do all the heavy lifting at home cooking, cleaning and farming. And so she gets there, she, you know, loves him, but um, she basically um, wants to marry off all of his brothers. And so (laughs) they go to the town and each of the brothers identify a girl that of course have many suitors. And they (laughs) later during the winter, they steal all the girls and they take them back to their home where there's an avalanche and they're stuck for so many weeks or months and they all fall in love, but you know, it's, it's a lot of drama. You should see it. It's, I think, you know what? Friends. I'm writing this down. I'm just like seven <laughs> brides for seven brothers. It's awesome. Who, any famous actors or actresses in there? Well, Jane Powell is mm-hmm. the, the main singer. Um, huh. But you know, it's an old movie, but it's colored. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I still like the black and white ones. You, you got me interested. That's very interesting. I guess good cho- choreography, singing, oh, the whole, and humor. I suppose there's humor because that's quite yes. the story. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Question number two. What is your favorite song or hymn? It could be religious mm-hmm. or not. My favorite song is In Christ Alone, written by the Gettys. Um, Keith and Kristen Getty and um, I just love it because it walks through the story of Jesus's Mm -hmm. you know coming to this earth walking his perfect life um, dying on the cross and raising from the dead and really conquering sin and that we can rest in Christ alone that's he has no grip on me that that's Satan he he has been dealt with yeah that is a beautiful one I love singing it at a church, even playing it. Yes, that's a good one. And last question. If you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, (laughs) what would it be? 
<laughs> well, right now I'm on a program where I am eating the same meal every day. <laughs> Pretty much a grilled chicken Caesar salad. <laughs> You're saying that with grit and teeth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but my, my preferred meal would be really a steak with uh, broccoli. Oh, okay. Day. How do you like your steak? Rare? Medium rare? rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the perfect way to have a steak. Excellent. <laughs> so Michelle, can you tell me a bit about your story? We'll go with um from the day you got married. Were you already Christian then or did you become a Christian in the marriage? Or you can go was, a bit before that at least. So I we was know. a believer from the time I was, uh, I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart at four. Mm -hmm. So I walked with him and there were many, many years of singleness Mm -hmm. And I met my husband at my church um, when I was 33 and um, I liked him right off and we dated and were engaged within a year. And then we chose to elope um, really because I wanted to be married sooner mm -hmm. than the wedding was scheduled. <laughs> and so that was a whole nother story, but uh I think uh, looking back, hindsight is always twenty twenty, mm -hmm. and I think I did run before the Lord in getting married. If I had dated him a little bit longer, I think I would have realized that perhaps his walk with the Lord was not genuine, mm -hmm. um, and that didn't come out until much later in our marriage. Oh, okay. So then there was no marital counseling. Uh, oh, we did marital counseling mm -hmm. and he answered all the questions correctly, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, um, he, I, I, looking back, I can see that he answered the questions correctly and he asked Jesus to be his savior, but not really Lord of his life. And when the rubber met the road, um, life got hard about, I'd say year six, Right, actually, right after Paxson was born, um, really things took a very difficult turn in our marriage, and um, I dealt with postpartum uh, mania, actually, uh, not depression, but mania. Can you and explain that, that? Sorry to interrupt, but can you explain yeah. that? Yeah, so mania is, you know, on the other side of the pole where <laughs> you can do uh, everything, <laughs> you know, and 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 you just feel like you're going to accomplish everything in the next, you know, 48 hours, you're going to mm. do everything you've ever wanted to do. And you just are running at a high, high rate. And I was experiencing manic um, psychotic episodes too. So I was actually um, hearing voices and I, and I felt that it was from the Lord hearing, talking to me, mm -hmm. but I don't think it was, I think it was um, mental illness, you know, mm. and um so it was a very difficult, um, time. And, um, and so I struggled with, uh, that mental illness, I would say for the next four years, really after I had another son, Zane, uh, in 20, see Paxton was born in 2010 and Zane was born in 2014. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had another episode of, um, mania um, psychosis after his maternity leave ended and, um, and I went back to work. So I was, you know, a, a mom of, I had, a, I had a daughter, an older sibling to manage. And then I was also working part-time three days a week and being a mom two days a week, homeschooling them. Mm -hmm. 
and um, everything was just really hard when you're dealing with your mental illness kind of coming, being taken away from you. You're, I mean, I was out of my mind. Your sanity is a gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is the one who gives you that gift. And I, you know, in the Bible, it talks about how he <laughs> can take that away. Mm-hmm. And, um, he did that with, I think it was Saul and, and he restored his mental, his mental capacity. Um, but I, um, my husband really, he didn't share with me how that was affecting him. As, mm-hmm. as our marriage was progressing, we were married for a total of 10 years and he really just, um, pretended he said later, he, mm-hmm. he finally, it all kind of came out that he'd really been pretending to be a believer for the last, mm, he said 20 years. I don't know, but, um, I, I don't think the Lord is done with him yet. Hopefully mm-hmm. I hope that he comes back to the Lord and, um, walks with him. He's, he's now professing atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we lost our third child in 2015. He was only a year and a half mm-hmm. and he drowned at my parents' home. And, um, my son and my daughter were there present as that mm-hmm. happened. And that was, um, jarring, I think for Paxson. Yeah. He, I asked him actually last week, I said, you know, today would have been Zane's ninth birthday. How does that make you feel? And he said, well, I only have two memories of Zane, a good memory of me running around chasing him in the kitchen around the island. So he must have been a year and a half mm-hmm. walking. And then I have the memory of him dying, you know, and so he, he just, he kind of cried and I felt really bad, but, um, it's been a journey for him and his mental health and, and me trying to shepherd that well, um, because, you know, he had, he was so young when Zane passed away. What was the age uh, difference? There was, he was that uh, three years older. So okay. he would have been four and a half at the time. Yeah. Okay. And with this tragedy that had happened uh what followed in your marriage is that when it well our marriage yeah it 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 quickly crumbled Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i didn't know that we were i i didn't know that damien was not on the same page as me and i didn't know that he (laughs) was an atheist and he had not shared it with me um, that he had decided he was an atheist at the beginning of 2015, mm-hmm. but by, de- by the time October came and, and the baby drowned, um, he decided, oh, I need to tell you everything <laughs> and, uh, I'm dating someone. And so you can move out. And so we suddenly were into the throngs of a divorce. And, um, so I moved in with my parents at the Lord really helped um, me with my, the transition, because I was still very much um, mentally struggling after, after Zane died, I went back in the hospital with a third episode mm-hmm. and my last episode, I will have to say, I'm thankful to the Lord that he has, you know, so far medicine is a great thing to keep you, you know, in the right mind. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And so I have not had an episode since 2016 um, or the end of 2015. So that lasted a few months, but um, my, my divorce lasted for, I would say it took us two years to get to the courts. Mm-hmm. I was very contentious and my children were continuing to do the same type of routine. I wanted to, to keep that as structured as possible for Paxson. And so he would be with his dad Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and he would be with me on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we were child, you know, sharing every time sharing every other day. It was really stressful, but I was not working at that point. I had had to quit my part-time job and I lived with my parents and um, we just managed, you know, we managed as best we could um, for two years until we got to the courts where the courts decided the schedule is not <laughs> the best schedule for the kids going back and forth every other day is very difficult. And so they decided to give um, really um, my ex-husband has the Monday through Thursday schedule. And I have more of a weekend schedule with the summer with my mm-hmm. kids. So I kind of got what usually a dad would get. Right see their, see their kids on the weekends and during the summer. Um, but I, I really am great, grateful to the Lord for that because I, I feel like I get to see them on Sundays and they get to go to church with me mm-hmm. and I spend more time, more quality time with them. And so it's worked out well. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I, we try to do our best to co-parent. We've gone through a lot of ups and downs. I would say from 2018 to 2020, uh, one was uh, just a lot of um, difficult conversations via Zoom, <laughs> thanks mm-hmm. to the pandemic, um, and uh, a lot of um, just a lot of hurdles m- with mental health with my yeah. with with my daughter mainly. She was the one who acted out the most. Paxson, he was he was watching her example, and he he said, "I'm not going to do what she's doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to act out." and get put into a health hospital (laughs) but uh, so he kind of he went under the radar for many years I would say he just didn't want to rock the boat and um and I wanted him to be in counseling as as early as 2019 or 2018 Mm -hmm. to process some things but he was not um open to that he was like why would I talk to a perfectly good stranger about you know, losing a brother and going through a divorce. He's like, I don't understand, mom. Why would I talk to a stranger? I said, well, sometimes it helps to talk to strangers and process things. So I, I didn't push him because I didn't feel like he would, he would just clam up because he's right. a very quiet kid. Mm-hmm. So there was no purpose in trying um, until he was ready. You know, and so I would say he he finally got ready at the beginning of uh, 22. Okay. Was the church ever involved in a trying to um, save the marriage or B after everything fell apart? uh, They were very involved. Supportive of you and Mm -hmm. your children, Paxton, especially like the father figure just disappearing like that. That can be really hard. Yes. Yes. They were very. they were, they came right alongside, um, as everything was falling apart, you know, they were very a- active during the, 
um, right after Zane's death and the funeral, they took care of all kinds of details because I was in the hospital the day after pretty much. And um, so I, I missed the, the funeral. Mm. Um, but they, once they learned a few weeks later that my ex-husband was saying that he wanted a divorce and that he was, you know, an atheist and dating someone, they came alongside and the, and the elders and the men really went to coffee and had lunch with him and, and tried to, you know, say, you know, she really wants to stay in this marriage and we are hoping that you will reconcile and, you know, consider um, breaking it off with this other woman and staying in this relationship and work on the marriage. You've, you've gone through a really difficult circumstance and now's mm -hmm. not the time to, you know, make life decisions um, like that. And so he was very adamant and he just cut everyone out of his life and said that he was, um, he went through the process of uh, church discipline because mm -hmm. uh, we went uh, to a biblical church and um, he was excommunicated. Um, I would say probably about three or four months afterward, I think. I, I don't remember because a lot of it was real fuzzy for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I was on such heavy medication during that time frame. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I don't recall a lot of the timeline of how all that kind of happened. I know that we went to marriage counseling for a few weeks, but that was um, futile. And he um, had not told me that he was dating somebody until it finally came out after three weeks of marriage counseling. So uh, I think he was hoping I would just decide to leave him mm -hmm. because he was an atheist and I, I, I am a strong believer and want to be equally yoked. Right. He, he knew that. And so he would always say, well, you don't want to be with me. So just leave, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm extremely loyal and I believed that we had a covenant in place and I was not willing to um, not try to stay married, even if he chose a different faith. Right. Right. And with all this weight and heaviness and this that you had to carry, um, first um, question, how were your parents? Because I'm sure they were just crushed as well as you are. Um, perhaps you're filled with a lot of guilt for such a tragic accident. What was, with everything happening, how was your relationship with your parents and you know, my parents are amazing. They are, um, they've been married for 56 years, um, how high school sweethearts, um, and they, uh, are missionaries. They've, they've mm -hmm. served the Lord, um, really since I was born in 72, um, mostly with the navigators. So they have a really strong faith in the Lord and believe that God is sovereign and, um, and that what was being brought to them as way of a, of this trial was, you know, as much as we didn't like it, it was God's purpose and, mm -hmm. and we're going to learn from it. And it was an accident. And my mom really, she was watching the kids and she asked my dad to watch the children while she ran into the shower. And she, she had a feeling, she said to me later, she said, I had a feeling all day long, there was this heaviness over the house. Because I just felt like it wasn't a good, something was wrong. Something was off. And I just felt 
unsafe. And um, I, you know, so she was like, I needed to take a shower quickly. And so I, I got in and out. She goes, but when I was in that shower, I knew I just felt like something's wrong. Zane, something's wrong with Zane. And so she came running out. Where is Zane? Where is Zane? And then that's, you know, my dad had gotten wrapped up into email and wasn't watching. And he didn't know that Zane had managed to unlock the door and toddle mm-hmm. out to the pool and fall in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he pulled him out at CPR, you know, and mom tried to take my two other children into the closet and pray. Mm-hmm. But my daughter, she just kept coming out of the closet and going to Zane's side and holding his hand and um, really would not follow my mom's instructions. And so I don't think Paxton, I think he stayed in the closet because he didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, as a four-year-old, he knew something was not right, but um yeah, so my mom was very mad. Um, she was angry at my father for, I would say, several years. And, you know, I I don't know why, but the Lord gave me peace when Zane passed. Um, I was out of, I was working, so I was not there. That's why they were babysitting that evening. Mm-hmm. And when the, when I heard and I got the call that, you know, I needed to come home, they were sending a sheriff. I knew someone had passed. And so I asked and, and so I pressed until I got the word and I just felt like a piece of the Lord fell upon me. And I, I just, I didn't lose it. Then I was able to like say, you know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, I walked into the house and I sat down next to mom and I knew I missed the ambulance. They had already taken him away by the time I got there. So I never saw him. Um, and I know they worked for another hour trying to revive him at the hospital. Um, but I sat down next to my mom and I said, mom, it's okay. It's okay. And she said, no, it's not okay. And I, and I, and she was pretty mad for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we probably talked about it a lot in like 2019 and 2020 because I've been living with them for four years because they opened their home to me immediately. And I and I had a feeling that when I laid my head down on the pillow that night, I, we spent the night at their house because I didn't want to go. And then I laid my head on the pillow and I said, Lord, are we going to get a divorce? Because I know that 90% of the people who lose their children also get a divorce. Right. So I could feel what was happening before, you know, it was for sure. And, um, and so my mom and I, we, we, we were, you know, we're best friends. I'm daddy's little girl as well. So I have a really great relationship with my parents and they are the biggest support ever. Are you Um, an only child? I'm the only girl. Only girl. Okay. (laughs) I have two boy brothers, you know, two older brothers, but I am definitely doted on by my parents (laughs) because I'm the only girl. And um, I would say we had lots of processing, emotional processing during 2016, 2017, 2018 together. And I would say we talked again in 2019. And I think I even told her at that point, you really need to forgive dad. Hmm. And because I have forgiven dad, I know he made a mistake. He, 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 you know, he apologized. He, he can't undo it. He wants to so desperately. 
but it can't. And he actually, I think it all kind of came out with um, my daughter saying that it was all her fault that the baby died. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, cause she was at this point, it was like 2020 cause she's, you know, she's struggling. And I said to her, I said, honey, it's not your fault. It's granddaddy's fault. And he knows it. And I've forgiven him and he apologizes. And so he actually went to her and, you know, got down on one knee and said, I'm so sorry, honey. It is not your fault. It was my fault. And I am so sorry. And uh, it was a moment of healing really for everybody in the room. And my mom, you know, she's like, I'm still trying to forgive your father it'll be years before it, it, she's like, this has been the hardest thing I've ever had to endure, especially in our marriage, you know, and even with my mental illness, you know, seeing me in and out of the hospital for so many years, um, she said, losing a grandchild was the most difficult, uh, thing to go through, you know, Mm -hmm. and just the circumstances around that it was, you know, something that could have been prevented, um, but nobody realized that, you know, he had, Zane had learned how to open the door to the, Mm. to the back door until that day, you know? So, yeah, my parents, they're still very strong. Um, Their marriage is very strong that it's been through a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, when you talk about Paxson, who seems to be the more quieter one and (laughs) you waited uh, for a certain time before you you thought he could talk to someone else. Did he ever reach out to you or did he ever leave any nuggets that (laughs) was sort of showed that I'm not ready to talk to a therapist, let's say, or a Christian counselor, but here's a bit of my heart or here. Did you ever pick up on Uh, things like that or had moments? I did. I would say in 2020, really, or 2021, um, during the pandemic, I would, I remember one conversation we had where he, he could tell that the story he was getting from his dad and the story he was getting from his mom about the divorce and how all that kind of happened. And because the divorce was messy and a lot of court and a lot of, um, missteps, I would say, um, He's, he he says, you know, so what happened to the money? Where did the accounts go? Like, so he was getting very, details that, like, oh, yeah, a man, he, how do you, why are you asking? Yeah, he, he was getting all kinds of stuff from his uh, dad and his, um, the woman that he was dating, he, 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 he's still with. And, um, and so, yes, he really wanted to know what happened. How did it really go down, mom? Because they're telling me you owe them like $70,000. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not true. Um, and I could go into detail, but <laughs> I said, I'm not supposed to talk to you about the divorce, son. <laughs> I said, but let me just say, you know, I we had an account together and then he, you know, opened up a new account and and all of a sudden his direct deposit no longer went into our account it went into his new account that I had no access to so I said you know um I don't I don't really want to talk to you about this Paxson but I'm telling you the truth when you turn 18 I'm sure you you'll get a whole lot of more information from your dad and your mom and 
you can read the emails and figure out what's really going on. But he, he just, he was, he was curious, you know, he goes, well, cause I told him a little more details and he goes, okay, your story sounds more true, mom. Hmm. And I said, well, that, that, that's good. I'm glad you're listening and paying attention. He goes, yeah. Cause what I'm hearing on the, at the other house doesn't, doesn't jive. Doesn't make sense. I said, okay. I said, well, I, I don't really want to go into all the detail with you, but at some point, you know, I would love for you to talk with some other people about your feelings about your anger issues. Cause I guess he was probably at that point, 10 or 11, he was mm-hmm. getting to be, um, you know, that tween age where you're starting to press limits and, and he was slamming doors a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, we got to talk about this anger. Like, why are you so angry? You know? And I, and he, and he, oh, I forgot to tell you, he, at eight, he, he did tell me that he, um, he was one night, he was really sad and he started crying as I was putting him to bed. And I said, why are you crying? And he goes, you're going to be mad at me. And I said, what? And he goes, well, I, I don't believe there's a God, mom. I'm an atheist and, and I don't. I know you're, I know you're a Christian and you're going to be all mad at me. And I said, honey, I love you. No matter what you, you know, believe it does not, um, it does not matter. You know, I want you to have a relationship with the God of the universe, but I'm not going to love you any less. If you don't, I said, you're in a very interesting situation with your atheist dad and you're a Christian believing mom. And then, you know, you have a, his mom, his stepmom is um, actually Wicca um, and bisexual. So there's just a lot of different values that he's being taught in the different homes. And, um, and so I said, you're young, you're eight years old. You don't necessarily have to know what you believe right now. I said, but um, this, that, that's going to have to be a decision and a journey for you to take on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I said, but I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm going to require that you go to church with me every Sunday, <laughs> as long mm-hmm. as you live at my house until you're 18, it's a requirement, you know, you don't have to, you know, believe, but you do have to be respectful. And so, um, there was a few, I would say months there where he was just really, um, he didn't want to get out of the car at the, mm-hmm. at the church. He's like, I'm an atheist. Why do I have to go to church? I said, because I told you I'm your parent. I'm your yeah. mom. <laughs> there is no choice. It's like brushing your teeth. You know, you got to do it. It's for your good. And so he wanted to take a, a device and I said, no, you're going to leave the Kindle. You know, so it was the battle. Mm-hmm. And even the church family noticed around then that he, he would walk around with his head his shoulders kind of um bent just, over mm-hmm. really defeated i mean like very defeated and um um and he and he he was just very sad very depressed i would say from eight to about 11 or 12 and um and he yeah he was very sad and angry and and i wanted him to get into counseling but i just didn't want to force him you know Right. No, that makes sense. Did he ever later on, or even at the moment when he says, you know, I think I'm an atheist, did he ever say where that came from, whether 
he started to believe what his dad had to say about God or atheism or, I mean, he, he just didn't, didn't, he didn't really say, and although I do believe he, you know, wouldn't have come up with that word unless his dad had told him this is what it believe, means. Right. You know? Um, but he just kept saying, I just don't know if I believe there is a God, you know, and, and, and so I kind of get the feeling that he, he also did share, cause I, I remember asking him, Paxton, what are you looking forward to? You know, what, what do you hope for in the future? Like, what do you want to do this summer? I remember always asking him that at the beginning of the summer or something. And he probably, when he was like nine or 10, he goes, mom, I, I don't hope for anything. Like, mm. I don't. Like, I don't have any hopes for any future plans because I've learned that if I have any hopes or expectations, they're going to get dashed. Mm. So it's just better to not have any hopes or any ex- expectations. And that really broke my heart because I was like, oh, kid, that that's a, such a sad way to live, you know? Um but that's kind of where he was. He was just kind of going through the motions of life, you know, and he was doing well in school. I mean, he, he did, he went from homeschooling um, with classical conversations mm-hmm. uh, right into the fourth grade, uh, fourth grade or third grade. Um, I don't know, I was young and uh, he did straight A's. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a very smart kid, very smart, quiet. He can be, you know, a little rambunctious you know, but, um, for the most part he kept to himself and he really, he, he didn't have any friends, I would say until really this year. Mm-hmm. Now he's about to be 13. So he, he didn't really connect with any kids at the public school. Um, uh, which is sad. I've, I've been praying for him to have a friend for a while. So mm-hmm. I would say everything kind of turned around for him in 2022. When um, he, I sent him to a, a summer camp and he um, came home with a, a mountaintop experience. And I was like, wow, you know, that. Can you ex- you sorry, excuse me. Can you explain to the audience mountaintop experience? Is that a program? Is that? No, no. Like when you just, when you're on the top of a mountain and you're experiencing God and just okay. amazing ways through nature mm. and worship and just a feeling of I'm on the top of the world and everything's great mm-hmm. and you know everything is as it should be right you know? um I think he came away from that summer camp just having really worked hard it was a service camp in Tennessee so he worked really hard he played really hard and um just had a great time you know and he didn't really express that he had made any decision for Christ, mm-hmm. but I think it's softened his heart and um, prepared him for the, for the new season, you know, a new relationship with the Lord. And so um, he went like, I, I, I would say about three weeks later, he went to another summer camp through our church mm. uh, to the Panama city. And he went to the beach and he really, um, I think he wanted just to go because he wanted to go to the beach, <laughs> but he came home from that, a different kid. He, he had met with the Lord and I, you know, I could tell because I said, well, how was it? And he goes, oh man, I was like targeted. I said, what do you mean? He goes that, that speaker, he was talking about storms that come into your life and, and he was saying, you know, storms like 
losing a sibling or going through a divorce or changing schools. <laughs> you know? He goes, he was targeting me, you know? <laughs> and so he goes, he was talking to me directly. And so he was talking about how God brings us, you know, things into our lives for a purpose and how we can trust him. And, and he, you know, he didn't really walk an aisle or say a prayer, but he went back to this cabin and he started reading the book of Genesis. Mm. And um, my friend who's a counselor with him, he said, yeah, he packs and read through that book of Genesis, like the first 10 chapters voraciously the next morning. He really wanted to, he has a hunger for the word and wants to understand who this God is, you know? And so the following Sunday, he went and took communion without my permission. <laughs> I didn't even notice until we sat down in the church pew and I turned around. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, take communion. I said, um, You've, you've not met with the elders. You've not been examined. You've, 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 I don't know if you're a believer. I said, this is a, a believer's meal. You know, I, I want you. I said, did you not hear the warning that the pastor said about that? Paul warns, if you take it in an unworthy manner, you could get sick or die. <laughs> he goes, yeah. And he goes, I, I, so I said, never mind. We'll talk later. <laughs> and so I, I follow up with him later the next day. I said, the last I heard you were an atheist. Is there been a change of heart? And he goes, well, yeah, I, I believe there is a God mom. And, and I believe that Jesus Christ is his son of God. And I was like, okay. He goes, yeah, I, I think I might want to join the church. And I'm like, okay. So we, a few months later, we go to the church uh, membership class and, um, and, and his demeanor is so different. So even I've had men at the church who've come alongside, who, um, have come to me and said, he packs into a different man. Like he is holding his head up high. His shoulders are more, you know, straightened and, and he, he's happy to be here, you know, where before he was like, uh, you know, right. so I've had several people say to me, I think he's a believer, but he doesn't want to admit it. And he's, you know, he's still weighing his options and he's not sure he doesn't want to, I think he wants to push your buttons because he knows how important it is to you to know that he's saved. And so I said, yeah, I think he is pushing my buttons and I'm trying not <laughs> to let him, you know? <laughs> and so, um, we did go through the class and the, one of the main, uh, focuses of the first night of the three day class is to really, you know, present the gospel and to, you know, lay it all out. Like, this is what it means to be a Christian, like to follow Jesus Christ. You have to repent and believe in the one whom he sent and, and trust that he's done the finished work for you. And it's not something you earn or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a free gift from God. But some of the vows he, he was, you know, and so really they ask you to examine your heart to make certain that you are a believer, that you're not just joining a club, right. you're not, not just performing or, you know, trying to perform and it's earn just a feel club. good moment. Right. Yeah. And so he packs in, he, he processed those vows and um he, he was like, I can agree with the first two because they're pretty much about, I don't know, I don't remember the exact vows, but they're pretty much like, I can agree that I'm a sinner you know, justly deserving God's displeasure, you know, in hell. And then, uh, and, and, and that kind of thing. But then like the third vow is that I commit to follow Christ 
with my whole heart. And he's like, I don't know if I can do that a hundred percent all the time, you know? And so he's just really, um, he's like, I'm not ready to make that vow. You know, I, I want to make sure that I'm ready. And that, and, and I said, well, honey, you know, it, it's really just a mustard seed of faith that God requires, you know, he does, he did all the work. He's just asking you to believe and trust in him. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to commit because he recognizes the cost, you mm. know, to, to follow Christ is, is to deny yourself, yeah. you know, pick up your cross. And, um, and so he, I'm glad he's weighing it out. And I told him that I said, I'm really proud that you are not just going along with every other, you know, 13 year old that's going through the class right now that are joining the church because their parents are members. And mm -hmm. that seems to be the thing to do, but you're really weighing out your, um, choices and your decisions. And it's a heart decision. It's, you know, not an external decision, you know, right. not rules and regulations. It's, it's really, are you going to submit to the Lord, you know? And so I said, it's, it's a journey for all of us. And I think that you're, I said, I see fruit that I, I see that the Lord has pricked your heart and that he has awakened you to, you know, the love that he has for you. I said, you, um, are certainly a part of God's family, um, here at, you know, the church and, um, but you will have to walk through that path, uh, you know, individually, it, you don't get to heaven on your mom's coattails <laughs> or your grandparents' coattails, you know, you need to make a decision for yourself. It reminds and, me. It mm -hmm. reminds me of years ago at this old church I attended, there was this uh, young woman, she might've been in her teens at the time and she was getting baptized. We were witnessing that. And to this day, I'll never forget. Her name was Miriam. And she said, she started off saying, God has no grandchildren. <laughs> so to kind of what you said, you don't get to ride the backs on your parents or your grandparents. Yeah. God has no grandchildren. And that hit me. And by then I was already baptized and everything. I'm like, yes. God mm -hmm. has no grandchildren. So that's, yeah, a, that's a good thing that you said to Paxson, you know, you right. Well, and, well, and I explained to him, I said, you know, let me go ahead and tell you further, honey, that you, and you know, this may open a whole can of worms because not all denominations, you know, agree on baptism, whether it's infant or believers baptism. Mm -hmm. I said, but you were baptized as an infant and that did not save you. That just, that was a covenant that we as your parents entered in with God to raise you as a child of God. I said, and one day we hope that you will not be a covenant breaker, mm. but you know, you as an adult will go outside of our authority and you'll have to answer directly to the Lord. And um, I said, I, and so I've really been having a lot of conversations with him as he, as he is getting closer and closer to turning 13 in April. And I said, you know, we're not Jewish, but in the Jewish faith that God ordained, you know, you're considered an adult when you're 13, you're a young adult, a man. And so I don't know if there's a, you know, age of accountability because it is not in that, in the Bible, that's not really mentioned specifically. I said, but I think that there's somewhere in that 
age range where you have to take your faith on for yourself and, and it can't be your parents faith for you, you know? So I'm, I, I really am hoping that you will make a decision for Christ to follow him and commit your life to him. Because I think that for one, you, um, God created this earth and he, um, created all of the, the systems within this world. And he has given us guidelines, his, his Bible on how to live life. Well, mm-hmm. Proverbs is a great example of how to handle money well and relationships and, yes. and all that. And I said, and so if you can follow his design, you will flourish here on this earth, you know, and hopefully you will avoid some consequences like jail or, <laughs> you know, a STD, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just being practical. I said, but honestly, you know, I believe that we're here on this earth to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Amen. And so um, that's our main purpose. And I want you to fulfill that. However, God would see fit for your life. So um, take these these years that you've been given as a youth to prepare yourself for what you would have, what you would do for the Lord, you know, and how you would walk alongside with him, you know? So we're having very um, intentional conversations. I would say Mm -hmm. this last year um, or two, I mean, I I actually took him to a, a, a weekend, just him and me, we went, to a hotel just for the weekend. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Passport to Purity. No, but I if you can tell the audience a bit uh, what, what that's about. Yes, it's, it's, uh, I think it's put on by Family Life um, or Focus on the Family. I don't know. Those are both really great resources. I lean on and listen to their podcasts and things like that. But it's called Passport to Purity. And it's a weekend that's set up for, Um, a parent, like a mom to take her daughter or a dad to take his son away for a weekend and to explain to them about um, sex and relationships and um, their bodies and things like that in a biblical way. Um, And so so, you were the only mother there amongst uh the fathers and sons. So so this was, this is a a thing that you do just the two of you alone. Like you go to the hotel and it's like a retreat and you listen to these, um, you listen to like the little uh, session and then you talk about it and you fill out a book and, and then you do some activities together and um, it's all throughout the weekend that you do this together. So yes, I did it with my daughter and that was fun. And I felt very comfortable as a mom because I understand what it's like to be a mother and a woman, mm-hmm. but I felt very uncomfortable as I did it with my son because they were like, now son, turn to your dad and ask him, <laughs> is that true? And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. You, you got me. <laughs> I said, I'm not. And so I had to, I had, I told Paxton at the beginning of the weekend, I said, this is really designed to be done by your dad, but your dad is not going to do this with you because he's an atheist and he doesn't want to do anything biblically based. Um, He made that very clear. And so I want you to be introduced to sex and, and relationships in a biblical worldview. So we are going to walk through this together in a very messy, uncomfortable way. And so 
yeah, I've had all the conversations with, you know, about sex education with him and he, mm -hmm. and, and that weekend was so sweet and we had a great time. And, um, and he just, he was like, well, I'm not filling out that book. You're going to have to do all the answers. You know? <laughs> so I did all the heavy lifting and he just, you know, sat there and listened. Absorbed it and, all. Yes. And when we were finished, I said, did you learn anything new throughout the weekend? And he, he said, yes. I said, so that was some new information for you. He goes, yes. <laughs> I love that one answer. Yes. <laughs> and he did not want to talk about it anymore, but he was like, you now can. I understand mom, how I understand the mechanics. Thank you. I'm I'm good now. Thank you. <laughs> how do you find um, the co-parenting or the, the sort of with um, Pax's father being an atheist and is he married to the woman he well, he says he is, but I don't think he is. Okay. So yeah. Just, very weird. Their situation is very strange. She doesn't even live in the home, but they're married supposedly. So it, he, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really weird. How do you handle it? Do you feel like um, when you're, I do a lot of the heavy back, lifting, I feel like. Oh, in terms of discipline or reprogramming, do, do you find, and we'll include your daughter. Did you find Paxton and your daughter sort of picking up on, Ooh, this sounds like they're this is tickling their ears coming from, you know, their father. Yes. They, um, I would say that we at first were not on the same page. Um, we're still not on the same page, mm -hmm. obviously with worldviews. Um, but, um, we decided to not really co-parent as much as we, um, parallel parented. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, please explain. This is interesting. Um, I, I did some, uh, I, I listened to some podcasts on, um, going through high conflict divorce. And that's what I learned is that there is another way to parent and it's called parallel parenting. And the kids learn mom's going to parent this way at her home and dad's going to parent his way at their, his home. And they learn what is acceptable at each household. Hmm. And so they navigate through their worlds that way. And um, for a while, you know, my ex-husband and I tried to get on the same page. Like if they were, you know, grounded at one home, they'd be grounded at our home. But that didn't really work because the experience of the, the um, it, 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 it just wasn't working. And so right. I said, I'm not going to ground a child here, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take into consideration what's going on, you know, but he would ground them for like three weeks at a time. And I'm like, three weeks, really? <laughs> and, and really at the time it was my daughter that was doing all the acting out mm -hmm. at their home only. She was being an absolute angel at my home. <laughs> and, and so I was like, I'm not even seeing it. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like she's an angel at my house. What are you talking about? So that's when we had to do some family counseling and she was the one that kind of precipitated her going into the, she was very um, sad and um, depressed. And so she went into a hospital for a summer. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had to get on a zoom call during the pandemic and, and really hash things out with my ex-husband and his wife and myself and we were still litigating. And I think that was also the other underlying issue for the kids as they felt, they knew that we were all fighting. 
Mm. So they would use those things against us and like would say one thing to the other and pit each other against each other. And yeah, um, it was, it was very confusing. And so that, that is when I would say was the first pivotal moment for our family in, in, in doing better. When I decided, I said, you know, I'm going to drop my case. If you'll drop your case and we'll just stop fighting in the courts and, and the kids, hopefully mental health will be better, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so he, he didn't believe me. And so I did it the next day I filed and removed my case and, and, um, and that proved to be really a good move. And I would say um, about four months ago, I talked to the both of them on the phone at the same time, which we don't do that very often. Mm-hmm. And she and his wife said to me, when you dropped your case, we felt that you extended grace to us. And that's what we've been following as your example mm-hmm. since then. And we have been trying to co-parent more. And so things have leveled out with my daughter. She's not as um, angry and combative at, at his wife because mm-hmm. um, they weren't getting along and um, things, things just really got better when we were all trying to do a little bit more co-parenting together as opposed to parallel parenting. Right. Uh, but we still do, I would say parallel parenting more than co-parenting because um yeah, the kids have just learned how to how to manage in each home. And right. they know, you know, cursing is not, it's frowned upon at my home. It happens, but it's frowned upon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so every once in a while, you know, the F word will fly out of <laughs> their mouths. And and then they'll like, oh, sorry, wrong house. You know? <laughs> oh. mm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, remember, I want you to be the same person that you are at home Mm -hmm. and at school and at church, you know, because God is watching you all the time, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just different rules for different homes, but, um, it, you know, I I don't know if that's good or bad, but it is kind of the way we've fallen into a pattern now. So the, you know, but we, I would say that things have gotten better for Paxton since we started counseling last year. Mm-hmm. I, when I had him in the summer, I was like, okay, I think he's ready. Cause after he came back from those trips, he, and he took communion, <laughs> I was right. like, I said, um, I said, I love you. I said, but you know, if, if you're not a, a believer, you don't have to be a member of the church to take communion, but you do need to follow Christ and be a member of the body of Christ. I want to make that distinction. You know, I said, but um, until you meet with an elder and, and share your testimony of how you follow Christ and have made a decision for him, I'm not going to allow you to take communion. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he respects that. So um, I would say after all of that kind of happened in the fall, um, that's when we, I started counseling and I, I just said to him, you know, you're going to do counseling next Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've decided, and it's going to be, be via zoom. Cause he was like, well, I'm only going to do it through zoom. And I said, okay, well, mm-hmm. that's a compromise. At least you're buying in a little bit to the process. And he did that two weeks. And then he said to me, well, I want to show her how to play, uh, cards. I got a card trick for her. 
So we got to do one in person. So let's start doing in person. Mm. So it quickly moved to in person weekly. And, um, and yeah, and, and I could see a difference in just his demeanor and how he's much more open to talk about hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, he does have like this little accent that um, the counselor said to me, if you notice, he, he doesn't deflect the co- questions with humor, um, but he turns and he, he, he talks with an accent when he talks about things he doesn't necessarily want to talk about. Interesting. And I said, oh, that is interesting. I have noticed that he has kind of this weird, you know, accent that he's picked up. And so, but he, yeah, he's having more open, crucial conversations with me than ever before. And, mm-hmm. um, and now we've gone through, um, we've, a, we've started, um, I would say every other week. Cause he's like, I don't feel like I need to go every week. And I'm like, okay. So I want to, I told the counselor, I said, I really I want to keep you in his life through the teenage years. Right. You know, it may not be on a regular basis. It may be quarterly, maybe every other month, but I feel like him having somebody else he can talk to and trust is important because, mm-hmm. you know, he, and he, you know, he didn't have any friends at school up until this last fall. Mm-hmm. And um, his friends, I'm on his um, device and I see them talking on discord and they're just, you know, 12 year old boys talking about Minecraft and Pokemon. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they walk with the Lord, but I'm just happy he has friends that like, like the same things he likes, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to, I try desperately to watch the videos that he makes me watch, but oh, I, I just don't it's like the things we got to do though. Right. Yes. Recently, my 14 year old, he got this card game where so many stories I'm like, what's wrong with Euchre or crazy eight? It was like, you had to attack, do this. But you know what? I said, this is a great moment for the two of us. I'm going to endure it. And he he kind yeah. of smiles sheepishly when my eyes kind of glazed over and said, okay, what kind of points defense and how, how many points for the attack? And from time to time, I said, yes, let's play that card game because I know deep down it means a lot and showing that you're interested in, you know, his interests. So I can, I I feel, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm trying to find his interest. And I I mean, like I was on a quest when he was about 10 to find a a hobby for that kid. I was Mm -hmm. like, he's got to find something other than computers. Like he just likes games, you know? So I bought him a bow and arrow. I bought him a gun, you know, like a Nerf gun. I bought him I mean, I tried all kinds of things. I was like, and of course he's not into sports. Mm. You know, he's just a couch potato that likes games. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm still trying to find something that we can do together that we would enjoy. So far, the only thing I have found that we both enjoy is food. <laughs> we both really love ice cream and milkshakes at PDQ. And so sometimes I'll just, and he, you know, he doesn't like to like shop or anything like that. My daughter has a shopping problem and she and I go shopping every Saturday for hours on end. And so sometimes I'm like, I just have to take him to breakfast or go to dinner with him, just him and me, you know, to get one-on-one time and try to really listen and get into his world. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it's in the car and over the table that we have the best conversations, you know? And I try to, 
I'm trying to find that one thing where we could just, you know, be our thing. And I haven't found it yet. Well, it sounds like the ice creams and the dinner and nature dinner. Yeah. He just likes food. (laughs) He just likes, he likes Chinese food specifically. He loves ramen. He's big into ramen. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, I, I have the same with both my boys in a sense. One, we used to do this every time for his birthday, the, or not even just his birthday, the odd time we'd have this adventure of finding the best hamburger joint in the city. <laughs> and it just lit up his face. And I thought, okay, this is how we connect. And his younger brother, he he loved going along for the ride <laughs> because he yeah. likes food. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It, it could, it, you probably already have it. And who knows as he gets older, maybe something else, but I, I really like that you two have such deep discussions. Um, spiritual discussions, life discussions that he's um, reached that level of comfort during when you're raising your kids. And, and you can also add like where your daughter is at with her faith. Um, I'm also curious, but um, especially during the hard time, did you have some sort of routine or a rhythm where, you know, studying, uh, like doing Bible readings before go to bed, things like that, was it always consistent or was it just like, mm-hmm. I just had to drop it because I, I could only rely on right now for church at the moment. What was that like? Cause sometimes I'm consistent and sometimes I just like, Oh my goodness, it's been one month and uh, <laughs> we haven't gone back to this uh, study. Yes. You know, I wanted to be faithful at doing with my boys after dinner, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, there was, I would say um, I uh, really, uh, impressed upon them that we were going to do morning devotions um, together to set the day right. And so we would do that. Mostly we do that on Saturday and on Mondays during the school week, because I don't have on Friday mornings mm-hmm. and we go to church on Sunday. And it's a lot of, a lot of spiritual stuff on Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. between Sunday school, church, and then youth group afterwards, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I felt we could skip the devotion on Sunday mornings. But, um, but it's hard on right now, now that this last fall, we've, we've not been able to do it because Juliana's, um, my daughter, she has like, you know, it has to be at school at, uh, 7am. So she has to pick up the bus at 615 mm-hmm. and Paxton sleeps in cause he doesn't have to be to school until 930. Mm-hmm. So we, um, I would say when they were both in middle school, we were able to get our, devotions and and there was a, probably a good two years that we were pretty consistent about doing it especially in the summer when I had them for six weeks straight in the summer mm-hmm. I would do it in the mornings with them before I went to work and uh, we would just we just sat down and we would go through um that we read through the book of John together just one chapter at a time and then we would read um the Jesus calling children's version of that book. I mean, any devotions great, but um, it was short enough that it was, you know, something we could always do if we were in a hurry. Um, And then we would put on the full armor of God and they had that, you know, pretty well memorized, you know, the helmet of salvation, the blessed pride of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes that bring the gospel of peace pick up our sword and um, of the spirit. And then we would have a mantra that <laughs> Beth Moore, I guess, 
taught um, and, and we would go through the five um, points of our fingers as we're picking up our sword that the thumb is, I believe God is who he says he is. And then I believe God is, can do what he says he can do. I believe I am who God says I am and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the last pinky is God's word is living and active in me. Mm-hmm. So we would, we would go through those mantras um, every day because I really wanted them to learn those things and, and and understand that they do need to guard their hearts and put on the full armor of God every day in order to, you know, walk with him and face the enemy, you know, all mm-hmm. the darts of, of the world. Um, and I, and so I, I, I think I really want to want to focus on my kids. I want to focus them on God's word. Um, and then for them to know that it is not what they do, that they earn their salvation, but it's what Jesus has done for them and that mm-hmm. they can rest and the, and the work of the believer is to believe. I mean, that is what it said when in the Bible, the disciples asked Jesus, what is it that we are to do? He said, believe in the one whom he has sent. So um, I I really wanted to press upon them that against legalism, because Mm -hmm. I think that that can sometimes sneak in um, from growing up in the church that you've got to perform. And if you don't follow rules and, you know, as moms, we want them to follow rules. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I don't want to focus on their exterior um, behavior. I really want to focus on their hearts right. and their relationship. Um, and how is it aligned with God's, um, what, you know, how, how are, how is their relationship with the Lord? Are they walking with him? Are they, you know, walking in the spirit? Are they, asking for his help and strength. And you, you mentioned my daughter, she actually has gone through some real challenging um, weeks this last week and this last month. And I think that um, I went and saw her on Monday night and, uh, and, and she kind of had a relapse. She had a panic attack at at school Mm -hmm. on Tuesday of last week. And then she, relapsed and and cut one one time and she hadn't cut mm-hmm. herself in self-harms in many 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 months and so i i wanted to see her in person and that was my purpose was to go see her and like ask her well, what what triggered that and and you know you've been to the hospital you know all the tools you know you you understand what's going on that that's not the best way to handle your emotions you know i said so how is your relationship with the lord are you reading your bible are you praying to him are you asking him to help you manage your feelings and and um and that evening her heart it 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 just hardened <laughs> mm-hmm. And it broke my heart because she was like, you better go. Dad's going to be home soon, you know? And so that's just the life of a 15 year old. I think going from one soft heart one day to a hard heart the next day. Mm-hmm. And as parents, I think we just have to pray and ask the Lord to continue to keep their hearts soft towards him. Yeah. And for us to, um, you know, demonstrate and ask good questions. And I prayed over her anyways. I said, well, let me pray. She's like, oh, I know you would. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to pray that God will soften your heart, you know, and 
And I, you know, I went and visited her the next night and, um, and she came out and gave me a hug and I said, how are you doing? She was better, you know, and she was in a much softer place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I feel like, you know, teenage years are just so tumultuous. I know I cried every day of my eighth grade year mm-hmm. and I, um, I had actually, I had a voice lesson teacher <laughs> who like my parents were paying him $25 to teach me voice, but I actually went, spent the hour with him talking about how sad and depressed I was. He was really more of a counselor. Mm. He sat and listened to me as I verbally processed. And then, you know, the last five minutes we would sing a song <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and my mom goes, yeah, it was the cheapest counseling we could ever get. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just praying. I'm right now I'm trying to, you know, put my kids with counselors who are going to um, speak truth to them and let them process and figure out their walk with the Lord. Um, And so I think, I, I I think everybody, you know, I'm hoping that this day and age people have learned that having a counselor is not anything to be ashamed of. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a good thing. And whether it's formal or informal, having someone to listen and talk to and pray with is huge, mm-hmm. you know, because I think God, um, Satan wants to isolate our kids and lie to them and, and confuse them. I mean, with all kinds of things. I mean, right now there's just so much confusion in the world and culture around their gender and their sexuality and their identity. For them to, the identity for them to be a, you know, a, a heterosexual person and want something that seems to be, you know, antiquated, like a relationship with the opposite sex, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that's just, that's, that's just not cool. I've been told by my kids, you know? And so I just, you know, really want to try to ground them in biblical truths. And I think a part of that is really pulling out your Bible and reading with your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of parents want the Sunday school teacher or the church to, or the youth group leader to do all the heavy lifting. But we as parents are the ones that are responsible. And sometimes that means getting up a little bit earlier or going to bed a little later and actually having those conversations with your kids, you know, and it's hard to stay consistent. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with that too. And we're still trying to find our, our new rhythm with um, the school systems, you know, just the new timing. So um, yeah, I think it's so important that we pray together. I, we, we do pray for every um, meal, but I, I really think that um, doing devotions where you can like pray um, for each other to have a great day and then to bring forth, you know, it, it, it reveals their hearts where they are, you know, when you hear them and boys are difficult to get them to pray out loud. I've learned Mm. and to get them to read out loud because Paxton really struggled. He's like, I can't do this. And I'm like, honey, it's just reading out loud. You know, I'm not, I don't, I don't know why it's so hard. You know, I said, but the more you do it, the, the more comfortable you'll get, you know, so, um, that was a real struggle for a while and, um, and he's doing better in that area. And, um, but yeah, cause you know, my daughter, she loves to read out, out loud. She loves to pray, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, 
she's very connected. She's more like me. And Paxton's very opposite of me. He, he's, he reminded me of that last night. He goes, mom, I'm not like you at all. You know, cause I don't remember what we were talking about. He, he went to his counselors last night and, and I asked him some questions and he was like, well, mom, of course you would think that you and I are totally opposite. <laughs> you know? oh and I don't even remember what it was that we were discussing, but uh, yeah, he, he, I was like, I'll have to remember that we're totally opposite Paxton. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that I can relate to you in some way, <laughs> you know, I'm trying my hardest. Well, if not, let's go for ice cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to do, but I had already fed him a pretty big dinner and I was like, oh, we'll just go home. Oh, that's yeah. what it was. I was trying to get him to try something new and different. And he was like, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> but, you know, you asked earlier about um, other men in his life through the church. Yeah. I have tried to um, been purposeful in relationships and building relationships with other men that can um, speak into his life because his dad, you know, is I think he's a workaholic and um, he's not there very often in the evenings. They, mm -hmm. unfortunately um, I'm discovering that they're kind of raising themselves um, after school. He doesn't get home until seven or eight o'clock at night. Um, so they're left at the house alone a lot. And so I have um, Paxton has got um he's got um, some men at church that really like him a lot. And, and so he um, connects with them and I'm particularly trying to get him involved in the sound tech mm -hmm. group at our church. So yeah. last week he did the, the first time he was on the camera operating our, you know, camera at church. And that was exciting. So, and he asked me last night, he goes, when am I going to do the camera thing again? I said, well, I think you're going to do it once a month. I'll have to reach out to Ed, find out when it's going to be. Um, but you know, if I can get him plugged in like that, because after church, I like to talk. I, I mean, I, I'm a talker. I love to connect with people. And after church is a great time. And I could be there for an hour if Paxton wasn't there the whole time <laughs> saying, are we going? When are we going? Are we gone? Is it time? I'm ready to go. Are you in? I mean, come on, mom, let's go, you know. So I'm hoping that he will help with the tech team and um, have something to do after church so that I can have my relationship time with people. Then um, no. I have had um, one of my friends, um, Mr. Tom, he, um, he, he really loves Paxton and he's, he's disciplined him a little bit at church because about, uh, gosh, when he was about nine or 10, he started acting up at church and we sit on the front row of the church because I want my kids to sit up front and, and pay attention. Mm -hmm. Plus that way, nobody takes my seat. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to fight because nobody wants to sit on the front row. And so um, he was like, like bumping me on my side and he was like, just, just being disruptive. And, and I was like, you know, trying to discipline him in the chair and it was distracting. And I, I, I was at my wits end. I was pretty irritated and man, after church, Mr. Tom came over to Paxton and he said, Paxton, don't you ever do that again? I saw what was going on. 
if you start doing that again, I will take you out and I and, and we'll have a talk outside of this church. Do you understand me? Have I made myself clear? That's not going to happen again, is it? And my Paxson, his little face, his little eyes welled up with tears. And he's like, no, sir, Mr. Tom. I'm, okay. I mean, he, he knew that Tom was serious because, <laughs> you know, I've asked Tom, I said, I need you to like kind of step in there a little bit since his dad is not going to be around and his dad is not as, you know, involved like that, you know? Um, and so I, I, I appreciate that, you know, and the youth group counselors, there's two um, men and they really are just they're They've gone to lunch with him after mm -hmm. church and um, they've talked with him. And, and of course they report back to me today. He told us that he loves Jesus in Sunday school. And I'm like, what, how did that happen? He goes, well, we were all in a room together and we were all like, what do we all have in common? And Paxson says, we all love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, really? Okay. So they're, you know, they're like, we really do think he's a believer, but he's just not quite telling you yet, you know, mm -hmm. and I, he wants to push your buttons. And I said, yeah, I agree. I'm just going to let him think that it doesn't bother me. And I'm just going to keep praying because there's nothing I can do to, you know, control the situation. Right. <laughs> All I can do is hope and pray that he'll walk with the Lord all the days of his life, you know, mm -hmm. and right now we're in a good season. I feel like, um, he's, he's just, his, his heart is very soft towards spiritual things mm -hmm. and he's not, um, he's not argumentative or sassy, you know, mm -hmm. which his sister was extremely sassy at 12 and 13. I, oh man, that was awful. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know if his day will come, but, um, I I'm enjoying the teenage years right now, you know, mm -hmm. even in the midst of the drama that, you know, comes along. Like I literally on Monday, I found out, uh, that he hurt his finger. Somehow he ripped his fingernail off and I'm like, mm -hmm. what, how did you do that? So he went to go see a surgeon, hand surgeon specialist. So it's, you know, boys just bring a whole nother level of, um, medical issues, <laughs> I think, you know, um, but I'm, I'm just thankful that we're right now, it's a good season and, um, and he hasn't gotten into any bad relationships at school, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like if I can continue to keep connected with him, maybe, you know, he won't fall into, you know drugs, rock and roll, sex, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Michelle. I've really enjoyed you sharing your story and how the Lord has worked in your life. And it's just been a blessing. I was wondering before we uh, wrap this up, do you have any advice to single mothers who have gone through similar situations or even not, you know, raising and raising a son and you know trying to be in tune with their hearts you've you've given a lot of amazing uh, stories and advice throughout this uh, episode but if you were to wrap it up and say well here's here's one thing that I kept top of mind or anything like that anything can you share with us hmm. I think top of mind for me is for me to remember that God loves Paxson more than I do and that he is sovereignly in control. 
of every opportunity mm-hmm. in every conversation in every relationship because I want to control things and I want to have him set up for success and make sure that he went to every possible Christian retreat that I could send him on and it never failed that it would be on his dad's weekend. And I would be like, God, why, why he can't go to the retreat again this year. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord just kept reminding me, I'm in control of his spiritual journey. Hmm. I'm in control of when he comes to me and when he grows and when he has challenges. I'm in control of all of those circumstances and I will take care of your children and you do your part. I'll do mine. You know, it's that God's sovereignty holding the hand of man's responsibility. You know, my responsibility is to, walk closely with the Lord and be an example and, and try to point out things that they need to, you know, perhaps change or work on, Mm -hmm. but to love them through example. And then it's God's, God's sovereign work. He's going to, he promised that he would take care of his children and that he would complete the good work that he began. And so I can just rest in that and know that God is going to provide the right mentors, the right Mm -hmm. jobs, the right um, retreats, Mm -hmm. you know, for the right time, for the right season. And, and I, I shouldn't worry. You know, I think as single moms, we want to worry a lot because we're having to do two jobs. We're having to feel the weight of all of the responsibility of shepherding this child's heart through life. Mm -hmm. And so it's helpful if we can rest and know that God is in control of it all and he will provide the right resources and, and to honestly also ask out for help. I mean, I asked Mr. Tom, I ask um, other people to help me with practical needs. Um, I, you know, do not plan to try to teach either of my kids how to drive. <laughs> uh, I will ask someone else to do that. So I know my gifting and I know my limitations. So, um, you know, ask for help from your community of believers because they want to help, you know, and they um, want to have a relationship with your kids too, I think. And, and everybody benefits from that, from the body of Christ working together. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That is great advice. I have enjoyed every single second of this, I don't want to say interview, this conversation of you sharing your story. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has been encouraging, uplifting. And again, as a reminder of God has everything in control. And you're right, as single mothers, sometimes we feel we need to control everything because we don't want to fall apart or have our family fall apart. Amen. Thank you again. Thank you so oh, much. You're welcome. Thank you for allowing me to spend this time with you. I it really was great. It, it was <laughs> great. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Poets and Pirates and that it encouraged you and was a blessing. If you like this kind of content and more, please subscribe to this podcast. Furthermore, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at hello at raisingpoetsandpirates.com. 
Also, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to get notifications on the next episode, as well as exclusive information. Just go to RaisingPoetsAndPirates.com. Thank you, and God bless.